Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to After the Fact. Good day and welcome to After the Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Clamaris Community Radio. My name is John Nolan and I'm your host for this evening. Thank you for tuning in and joining me however you have done so, be it on FM 94.6 or online or indeed via our podcast. And thank you to all our listeners who do tune in to our podcast. Tune in is probably the wrong verb for mm. our podcasts, I would say. Anyway, let us go and meet the teams who tonight will face questions all on the year of 1910. Right, in front of me, we'll say hello to the one person who has joined me in the studio tonight. Say hello, contestant. Hello, John. I am Marcella Connolly and I'm a journalist. Welcome, Marcella. Thank you for joining me in here so we wouldn't be alone. I wouldn't <laughs> be alone. Uh, you're welcome back. How have you been lately? Wonderful. I've been enjoying the weather. I haven't seen you for... You have, it's uh, the, the record tell me you haven't been here for four weeks. Wow. So welcome back. It feels like ten minutes ago. <laughs> And let's go and meet your team who is joining us remotely from Dublin. Good evening. Hi, John. This is Dan. Dan O'Malley, originally from Bow, now living in Dublin and I work in IT. And you're welcome, Dan. And it's been a few weeks since you've been on as well. Both of you guys were victorious on your last appearances with us. So that bodes yeah. well, I'm sure. You're in form. OK, let's go across the virtual hallway, the virtual aisle, to two players joining us tonight from Galway City. Good evening. Hello. I'm Michelle, I'm an IT person and a writer. Oh, and I'm Mike, I'm an academic. Oh, you're an academic, <laughs> you've gone up from dog's body or whatever you were last time you were on. Well, you know. Congratulations on your promotion. Next week you'll be active president of NUIG, you know, it changes. <laughs> <laughs> well done, congratulations on your promotion. All right, let us go and meet the final member of our team. It is, of course, <clears throat> our robot scorekeeper, Clancy. Good evening, Clancy. Good day, everyone. I think I speak for everyone when I say we're all looking forward to the music round tonight. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Clancy, he's a mind-reading robot. Ah, Clancy, right. Let's begin the show. We'll start off with our multiple choice round. In this round, each player will face a question. They will have three options to choose from. One will be right and worth two points if they give me the answer on their own. Or if they have to confer with their teammate, they can get one point. A wrong answer will see the remaining two options offered across to the side who can get one point bonus. It's an even-numbered show tonight, which means we start with the blue team. And since Marcella is in the room, she's going to get the first question. Are you ready, Marcella? I am. Marcella. What is considered to be the world's first horror movie was released in 1910. It was based on which of these famous novels? Was it A. Frankenstein? B. Dracula, or C, The Turn of the Screw. That would be Frankenstein. Yes, it was. It was based on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So you're off and running. Two points for you. Congratulations. Okay, across we go. Who on the red team is going first? Me. Michelle. (laughs) Another film question for you, Michelle. In 1910, actress Florence Lawrence, great name, (laughs) became the first movie performer to receive which distinction? A, she was the first actress to be filmed on a bed. B, she was the first person to earn $1,000 for a film. Or C, she was the first actor to be named publicly. Oh, I don't know. Florence Lawrence. Florence Lawrence. Are you going- I'd be tending towards C, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I wonder, should I, should I can... You can confer with your teammate. He's right there. Uh, yeah, I think I'll confer. Okay, you're in, Mike. Sorry. So, what are the options again? So, okay. So, option one was she filmed on a bed? Filmed on was a bed. Was she the first person to earn a thousand dollars for a film, or was she the first actor to be named publicly? Go for the thousand dollars, maybe. Yeah. You, know. you, you, you don't think you... actors were? Was there any kind of period where actors weren't named? I didn't think so. But, but you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, um, 
Is a thousand dollars big money back then? I would say so. Okay. We go with B. So. At first, to be earning a thousand dollars in a film. Oh. <laughs> I'm afraid that is incorrect. Okay, so we're going to offer it across uh, to Dan and Marcella. You guys can confer. Your remaining two options are Florence Lawrence. Was she the first actress to be filmed on a bed or the first film actor to be named publicly? I don't know what it means to be named publicly. As in she'd got a credit, I suppose, Dan. I but, suppose that's what it means, yeah. But I still reckon I mean, it's the bed thing. You think? I have a feeling. Know, it's, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Just because she has such a you know, fun, rhyming name. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, I think if it was oh, possibly, the name one, it's yeah. just because it's just because up till then, you know, actors weren't really, you know, they weren't really uh, put on movie posters or credited. Yeah. Um, but it, either of them are plausible. That's the thing. You're right, so though, the, that the, her name is fun. Maybe they've gone, oh, we'll put, we have to put that name on. <laughs> okay, I'm going to push you guys for an answer okay, now, sorry. please. Um, do you what want to go with the from? name then? I would have said the bed, but maybe it's too raunchy for that early. <laughs> too raunchy. And it's possible. Could be. Could be. Will we go with the name then? Uh, yeah, okay. So you're saying she's the first actor to be named publicly? Yeah. It's oh, correct for points. <laughs> yes. And uh, I thought her name was the reason it was the bed thing. <laughs> You shouldn't have conferred. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like he's agreeing. I she was that. also known as the biograph girl for a while before the public demand, because she was so famous, led to them having to tell the world what she was called. Oh. Right, Dan, your question. Which of these famous football stadiums was opened to the public on February the 19th, 1910? Your options are A, Windsor Park, B, Wembley, or C, Old Trafford? Goodness gracious me. I don't know, and I don't think I'd be able to narrow it down myself. So, Marcella, if I could rope you in here. Yeah, it was Old Trafford, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Great stuff. Let's go for that then. One point for nice Marcella's one. determined. Oh, she was, she knew that one. <laughs> that was very good, Marcella. After this round, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Windsor Park, slightly older. It was uh, open in Belfast, Belfast. Uh, I think around 1908. Wembley not opened until the 20s uh, in London. Right. Mike, final question Mm -hmm. of the round for you. After being on the run for almost six months, during which time his case became a media sensation, what murderer was finally apprehended on July 31st as he tried to enter Canada? Your options are A, Dr. Holly Crippen, B, Martin Thorne, or C, Dr. Thomas Cream. Uh, Dr. Crippen, John. Dr. Crippen gets you two points, yes. Yes, it was the first use of a telegraph. Newfangled technology, mm-hmm. the wonderful technology of the telegraph, which uh, alerted the authorities to his presence on board. The, the ship whose name I've now forgotten. Right, let's go and check the scores after that round with Clancy. How do things stand, Clancy? Blue to four points. Red to two points. So it's a four points to two lead for the blue team. Okie doke. On we go to round two. This is our connections round. In this round, I will give the team uh, two pieces of information. If they can tell me what links those pieces of information to the year in question, they get three points. They can request a third and then a fourth piece of info, should they wish, but they will be playing for two and one points, respectively. If they give me a wrong answer at any point, I will offer the cross to decide who can get a one-point bonus, but they will get all the clues no matter what time it was offered across. Going with the team that's trailing, it's the red team, Mike and Michelle. First up for you, Bill Nocton and Samuel Barber. Mm-hmm. Any idea who Bill Nocton is? No. Um, is Samuel Barber like Barber's Adagio? Uh, I think he is. First name was Samuel. Uh, right. Okay. Do you want to take a punt? I don't. What what punt are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the old well, telepathy's not working so well there. Uh, no doubt. We might be quite some time, but. Uh... <laughs> um, I think Barbara was boarded in 1910. Yeah. So I mean, it's unlikely he accomplished anything else. <laughs> all things considered, <laughs> I don't know who Bill Nocton is, and I, I, I suspect that the other he's some Irish uh, famous person. Yeah, the other two names might mean anything to me either. 
Uh, born in 1910, John. Correct. Well done. Good punting. Yes. Uh, so Samuel Barber is indeed the composer uh, of the Adagio for Strings. Was born in 1910 along with Bill Nocton, Oscar-nominated uh, screenwriter from just outside Ballyhonis in oh. County Mayo. Uh-huh. You could also have had uh, Barbara Woodhouse. I was quite happy when I found her. Do you remember, anyone remember Barbara Woodhouse? Yeah, the dog trainer. The dog right? trainer lady, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, right. okay. We had a book. <laughs> Cyril Cusack was the fourth clue. All were born in 1910. Irish actor Cyril Cusack. All right, three points there. Well played. Across we go. Marcella and Dan, your first two pieces of information in the round are the 10th of April, right throughout the end of May, and 0.15 AU. And they are capitalised letters, A-U. Holy moly. Okay, so, so A-U yeah. stands for astronomical unit. Okay. So it's a measure of distance when it comes to space. Uh-huh. One A-U is the distance from Earth to the sun. So what did you say, John? 0.15? 0.15 A-U. So that'd be something that was quite close to the sun. So oh. about a sixth of the distance. Okay. So I have a guess. Right. Have his comet. Uh, made his appearance oh, Earth went through Hillis and I think it probably I think it probably passed close to the sun and that date range that he gave that might be the dates in which it was visible from Earth I know that so, in 1910 Earth actually passed through the tail end of Halley's Comet oh well there you go then yeah so we just go for that just go for just say Halley's yeah. Comet yeah yeah Halley's Comet good man Dan oh the punting is going well here tonight so far <laughs> That's the second three-pointer in a row. Yes, uh, correct. So, Halley's Comet arrived and became visible 10th of April 1910 and was uh, was could be seen right through to the end of May. It was actually got very close to Earth, 0.15 AU from Earth rather than the sun, Dan. Um, it was, as you say, so close that we went through its tail. Uh, your third and fourth clues you never got to. Mark Twain, who um, was born around the time that Halley's Comet had previously been, near the earth and predicted he would go out with it like he'd come in with it and he actually <laughs> died two days later when it arrived in 1910 and 1986 was the final clue which was the next time Halley's that Comet came around yeah. okay well we're flying through this one so let's go back to <laughs> Galway are you ready guys yeah Chief. first two pieces of information are the last station and Asta Povo and I'll spell that it's simply well it's phonetic A-S-T-A P-O-V-O. Oh. I think that's... Um, that, that, yeah, because... Uh, yeah. I think we might know this one because I asked a pertinent question yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> because... Um, During the study session, was it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> so, um, I asked Mike the question, where where did Tolstoy die? die? Mm. And uh, I, I think did. that's I have what no idea. I have no idea. Let's look it up. So uh, that's uh, that's he said Astapovo. So yeah. I think it's the death of Leo Tolstoy. Nice. Very good going. Correct. Well Do you know what the last station is? Is it his last work? I'm not sure. Well, I, I don't haven't. Know what it, it, is, was, personally. it was a 2012, I think, film with uh, Christopher Plummer <gasps> portraying Tolstoy, oh and the last yes. station being referred to. He died at the train station in Astapovo. Mm. Uh, your third and fourth piece of info you didn't need were basically works of his. Sevastopol's sketches. And if you had really needed it, War and Peace was going to be the fourth clue. Okay. Sevastopol's sketches wasn't going to help us at all. No. So. <laughs> so was that his last work? No, that was one no. of his memoirs. He fought in the Crimean War as a young oh, man. Yeah. And he, oh. so he wrote Sevastopol's sketches as kind of a, his time in the army. Well done. Okay. No pressure, but we've had uh, you know three out of four, three <laughs> threes out uh, three threes. If I don't sound so rustic, Dan were in studio. I'd be holding his hand, uh, <laughs> so sweating. Here we go. <laughs> Dan and Marcella. First two pieces of info. Final question of the round. You've got Reno and Tex Rickard. His surname there is R I K. No, R I C K A R D. Oh dear. Hmm. Reno and Tex Rickard. Reno and Tex Rickard. Reno that name rings no bells, what do you reckon? No. And it's Reno as in like a place, I wonder. Yeah, Reno, Nevada, famous yeah. for quickie divorces and things like that. It's not someone's um, 
name though either. So Tex Rickard. I suppose it could be. I mean, there's a surname as well, Janet Reno, for example. But really, Tex Rickard just means absolutely nothing to me. So. Mm. So the last question was to do with. Uh, doesn't mean the last question anything. Um, <laughs> Tex Rickard. Shall we? We should get another clue. I think we're gonna have to. Yeah. Okie doke. Here we go. So Reno, Tex Rickard, and. The Great White Hope. Crikey. Ooh. Okay. So, there was um, there was a, f- a famous boxing match, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Where Jack Johnson beat some white dude. Yeah. And it led to, wasn't he arrested or there was riots or there was some kerfuffle about it all? I know that they did play, the, the, he beat him in the world heavyweight. Uh, match and it was something we're going to see that doesn't matter uh, <laughs> maybe that's where Great White Hope is the Great White Hope the name the nickname on that boxer I no. think it is I mean that's text uh, there was a movie as well called Great White Hope but you yeah. you know you, it, you tend to think of it in a boxing context so well, maybe makes boxing me think is that the answer referring to that fight because it was a fairly notorious fight yeah okay will we go for it take a punt we go for that then so the fight uh, where Jack Johnson beat the Great White Hope. Yes. Gets you two points. Uh, known as the fight of the century. Oh, yeah. I meant to Even say that. only 10 years in. <laughs> it's a bit early doors for that kind of title. Jack Johnson defeated James J. Jeffries, oh. who was indeed the Great White Hope. Jack Johnson oh, would have been Jays. Jack Johnson would have been yeah. clue four. You didn't get there. Tex Rickard was the boxing promoter who made it happen. And um, in a time of more lax standards of uh, sports organisation, when he couldn't get the when the fighters couldn't agree on who they wanted to ref the bout, he stepped in, even though he never refed a boxing match in his life. <laughs> Good on him. And it all occurred in Reno, Nevada. Right. So that gets you two points. Well done. Okay. Wow, guys! Only one point dropped in the whole of that round. I'm, I'm so I'm proud of you all. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go and check the scores with Clancy. Blue team nine points. Red team eight points. So it's a one point lead now for the blue team. Okay, let us proceed to round number three. This is our audio round. Now, for this one week only, I'm asking the teams to give me just the artist performing in each case for question one. Uh, They will all have a link to 1910, but uh, they won't necessarily be... In fact, I can tell you none of them are recordings from 1910. <laughs> and then we'll have. <laughs> You're so sad, I can see. And... Yeah, bad show, John. Bad show. <laughs> and he said, then obviously the second and third questions will be like normal. Okay, so with that all out in front of us, we're going to start with the team that's trailing. That is the red team, one point behind. So here comes your first piece of music, red team. Here we go. Right. <laughs> oh, so somebody connected with 1910. Correct. Tell the name of the song, John. <laughs> the, name, the name of the song was uh, fully available there in the audio clip. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I really don't see. I don't. Have no got, yeah, I don't have a notion either. Um, so it kind of has that kind of. 50s, 60s sound. Yeah. So, is there anyone maybe that was born in 1910 that could have? <laughs> they'd, they'd have been 50, as like they're they're 60s rockers. Well, that well, they could have been 40 if they were if it's 50s, yeah, uh, 40s or something. Um, like, <sighs> I'm really struggling. Sounded okay, a little bit like maybe the monkeys or. But that might be too late. Mm. There's somebody. Like so, the, so, uh, so just to uh, clarify here, so it's a band. 
that has a tenuous collection connection to the year 1910. Correct. Okay. Right. This is <laughs> this is mighty mighty tenuous. I think. I don't know. Do you want to just like I? Who did it sound like? Did Herman's it, Hermits. Is uh, Herman's Hermits? <laughs> yeah. I suppose it didn't sound too dissimilar. We'll just go with that because I don't think. Okay. Um, Prepare the noise. <laughs> we'll go with that because I don't think it's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> Potential bonus, Marcella, Dad. Oh, Dan. Not the faintest. Me neither. I was thinking I mean... along the lines of Buddy Holly or something like that, you know. <clears throat> I don't know if it sounds like Buddy Holly. It doesn't. Kind of with Mike and Michelle, that anyone who, I mean, it sounds like maybe late 50s, early 60s, maybe mm. even mid 60s, but someone's far too old to have been born in 1910. So can't even begin to guess what the connection would be. So I think just throw out someone from the, you know, teeny bop, rock and roll type era who it might yeah. possibly be. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I genuinely... And a Simple Simon says, would that be sort of an English title as opposed to an American one, you know? I suppose. So, yeah, it could be could be uh, an English band. I mean, like, the, you know, I don't know, Dave Clark Five or someone like that. Wow. I really Go don't think that. it is, but... I've never heard of it, but... <laughs> i never heard of it. Got, got to say something, no. I suppose. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. ah. At least I have heard of the Dave Clark Five, but uh, yeah. it's not the right answer in this case. Yes, uh... Kind of a forgotten song now. That was a that was a big that was a big hit. Number five hit in Ireland, no less, and sure number was. two hit in America. Nineteen sixty seven for the nineteen ten Fruit Gum Company. Ah, that being the name of the band. Uh, oh, oh, good. I can't wait till my follow up questions on that. Nineteen ten. Nineteen ten Fruit Gum Company. company. <laughs> All right, two follow up questions for you, Michael. Oh. <laughs> I, I okay. Here we so go. So excited. <laughs> This was the group's biggest selling single, released in December 1967, uh, and it reached number five here in I've already said this out loud, so I'll keep going. Uh, even though the band had only been founded the year before, they'd already changed their name at this point. Which book by Robert Louis Stevenson gave the group its first name? So. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. This is gettable. Um, I am is it like the title of the book? Yeah, that's all I want, the title of the book. Okay. Uh, which of these sound like band names? I don't know what you've written, so I can't tell you. Well, not only is the telepathy oh, okay. not working, but the handwriting recognition is <laughs> obviously breaking down. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. sure we, we, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, for the love of crime. <laughs> oh, I see that one. Um... Oh, this one. Um, <laughs> okay, any sound of an answer? Any sound? Of uh, I say the t- the right, this one. Treasure Island. We'll go with Treasure Island. <laughs> I'm afraid it's not right. Cross we go. Potential bonus. Marcella and Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he named the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. No, no, no. That was their second name. Yeah. They changed it from a different name, which they'd gotten from a Robert Louis Stevenson book. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which book? Um, I don't know what Robert Stevenson wrote. The only other ones I can think of, I think he wrote Kidnapped, but he also wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, to give it its full right. name. Now, given that the 1910 Fruit Gum Company hardly rolls off the tongue, maybe yeah. they picked a similarly long and tortuous name. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. So Hyde. I like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, we'll go for it. Clutching straws here, but... Hey! That well gets done. you a point. They were actually called Jekyll and the Hydes. Wow. Nice kind of 1960s <clears throat> naming convention. Yeah. Back we go, Mike and Michelle. The song's producer, Jerry Cassinets, wouldn't have another song crack the Irish charts again until which song by the rock group Ram Jam reached number eight in 1977? Black Betty. That has to be oh, it. Oh, yeah. They don't have any other song, do they? <laughs> Certainly, uh, I don't know much about the career of Ram Jam, but I couldn't give you another one right now off the top of my head. Oh, well done. Good. You got a point there. That was cruel and unusual, that Ram Jam. <laughs> hey, we're only on question one. Yet. We're only on question one. We're only on question one. Stick to it. Anyway, here comes the first piece of music for Marcella and Dan. 
and just a gigolo, and everywhere I go, people know the part I'm playing. Paid for every dance, selling its romance. Oh, the same. There will come a day, and youth will pass away. What will they say about me when the end comes? I know. Okay, that's just fading down there. So, artist's name, please. God damn. Well, I mean, heard of the song "Just a Jiggle," but yeah, who was it by? I couldn't couldn't begin to tell you. At least that one sounds like someone born in 1910. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. But if the name of the song, I don't know because when when John said "tenuous," it was extremely tenuous. Given I know, I look, I'll, be, I'll let you throw your bone now. From here to the end, it's people born in 1910. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Silly, doesn't that <it> <laughs> Um The voice, that voice, I know it so well. It's not someone like Chuck Berry or... It's possible, yeah. You know, somebody... I've got nothing on this, sorry. Oh, I can see him, too. <laughs> you can see him. Yeah, I can. He's right there in front of my <laughs> closed like eyes. <laughs> That's John, you see. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to say my other guest because I don't think it's him, but it could come up in the future. So, um. Oh, yeah. The others are born in 1910 as well. We don't want to preempt the next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have you got a safe guess you're going to throw my way? What did I say there? Like Chuck Berry. We'll Chuck try Berry. that. You're going for Chuck Berry? Yeah. Afraid <laughs> oh, not. Cross we go. Uh, Louis Prima. Yes, oh, that is indeed Louis well Prima. A staple oh. of uh, weddings amongst our friends groups. <laughs> All right, uh, Marcel and Dan, you've got two questions on Louis Prima. Number one, the King of Swing, Louis Prima, was born in 1910 in which US city? Also the birthplace of Louis Armstrong and Fats Domino. Well, I mean, Fats Domino associated with New Orleans. Yeah. Wasn't he? Because he, he was around after Hurricane Katrina. So was he? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, definitely southern, so, one of the southern states, anyway, for that type yeah, of music. So, yeah. Just in the absence of anything else, I'd, I'd guess New Orleans. Yeah, it's good as as any. Go on. That's correct. Nice one. Well done. Well done. Well worked out. Third question. Later in his career, Prima landed a role in Walt Disney's The Jungle Book. What oh. kind of animal was the character he portrayed in this film? Ooh. He well, he wasn't the bear, was he? He wasn't Baloo. He wasn't Baloo. That was uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he he was a, a voice actor who'd done some other Disney movies. By any chance, uh, is it the monkey or the is he a chimp or an orangutan who's you know sings "I Want to Be Like You"? Is that him? Yeah. So I think the, yes. I think the character's name is like King Louis or something. Is it? Yeah. So it yeah. Yeah. So the only question is, what kind of Monkey or ape, is he? Just the monkey. I mean, if we said primate to John. Uh, no, 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 no. You don't, get away, you don't get away with that one, Dan. No. Ah. So in Jungle Book, well, he's. In the Jungle Book, it can't be Nyang and Nyang Tang because that's in. Where's Jungle Book set? Africa or Asia or somewhere. I've never seen it. I don't think realism would be the Jungle Book. So. Well, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know about well, realism. Like there's, there's a tiger there, so you'd assume it has there's to be Asia. Yeah, Marcel is plumping on orangutan here. But it'd be the wrong state. Okay. You're I'm going for it. Saying, yeah. You're right to oh, go okay. for it. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> King Louis, as Dan correctly uh, recognised, was the character, and he was an orangutan. Yeah, I just... Yeah. <laughs> okay, well done. Back we go to Mike and Michelle. Third piece of music, here it comes. Okay, there's your piece of music. That's uh, Howlin' Wolf. Correct. That is indeed Howlin' Wolf. Well done. Two questions coming up. Following a revival of interest in the blues, Howlin' Wolf appeared on the popular 1960s television program Shindig! Exclamation <laughs> mark. 
at the insistence of which other which group, whose recording of his Little Red Rooster had reached number one in the UK in 1964. Oh. oh. Mm. Do you have an idea? I'm not going to say mine before in case you have. Mm, I, no, but I, I have. I was no, just that I have a when a Little Red Rooster to, to me is a 60s song, so I was surprised that it's. So what? What? Well, you said 64. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like that. That song itself is a 60s song, so it kind of had a bit of. What was, what was the name of the TV show again, John? Shindig! Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. What was your instinct, um, Mike? Stones. Yes, they did have a little red rooster, did didn't they? they? Okay, well, that, that just popped into my head. You play that. We play it. Okay, the Rolling Stones, John. Correct. Mm. Well done. And your final question. The majority of Howlin' Wolf's songs were released on which famous blues record label? Founded in 1950 in Chicago by brothers Leonard and Phil, both immigrants from Poland. Not coincidentally, the Rolling Stones immortalised its headquarters in the song 2120 South Michigan Avenue, an instrumental record they recorded there during their first US tour of 1964. What was the name of the record label? This is going to annoy me. It's probably their surname. Oh, oh. He said Leonard and Phil, and they were Polish, that's what he said. Okay. Um, so, he would have said their surname if it wasn't oh, their surname, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not Keep talking, you're making I'm not, better radio than me. Yeah, saying. I'm not straight <laughs> with, uh, with record labels. I can see. You're giving Mike <laughs> I couldn't tell you too many more. Um... Oh, can you tell me their address again there? Might <laughs> it might give Mike some. I said the Rolling Stones had immortalized its headquarters in the song 2120 South Michigan Avenue, which was an instrumental record they recorded there during their first US tour. I don't think it's coming. Okay. I don't think it's coming. Mm. Come up with some Polish surname. <coughs> Something with C. I don't know why. <laughs> Clutching at straws, I think, Jenny. Um, okay. Um, I don't know. You're just passing? Uh, we go Cohen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you just like that noise. <laughs> don't like the noise. Not. Okay, off we, off we, over we go. Marcella and Dan, any chance you know? No. <laughs> Dan, I don't know. I'm going to just throw a random guess out there. I don't know why I think this, but maybe they have some faint association with blues. Not sure. Chess? Chess. Oh. oh. Wow. That yes. is a very good answer, Dan. I also had to get from records, but that's like Seattle. Why Someone did I, say I that Michelle good. saying start Michelle said C. Start C. She did, sure. Oh, I did. Don't, you know, don't blame me now if I get in trouble here. <laughs> and they were uh, Leonard and Phil Chess. That, that was their surname, uh, Michelle. Oh, okay. Oh. So I was right. <laughs> you, you got so much of that right. With <laughs> but you couldn't have guessed that chess. somebody yeah. was called Chess. And I got the C. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're luck. at the right party. Yeah, talk to the wrong person. Right, final piece of music of the round for Marcella and Dan. Here we go. I should have clarified I want the guitarist there, please. Mm. Hey, I think, I think I can know this one, or at least I can make a good guess at it. Mm -hmm. Not too many famous guitarists from first half of the century I can think of. Django Reinhardt? Django Reinhardt, or, well, I was thinking maybe King, but Django Reinhardt, take one. Okay. That is correct. Django Ooh. Reinhardt there, playing the guitar. I'm doing really badly at this music round. <laughs> Don't worry, Marcella. <laughs> Now you have two questions to follow. What was the name of Reinhardt's longtime collaborator, known as the grandfather of jazz violinists, who continued playing concerts around the world well into his 80s? Oh. Do you have an inkling? Uh, um, I was going to say it wouldn't be... The, 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 I can't even think of it now. Jazz violinist. Well, uh, well Stefan Grappelli is what sprang to mind. Does that ring any bells at all? No, not for me, but it's 
better than what I have, so you've been right so far. <laughs> She's backing you there, Dan. I'm backing you, okay. yeah. And he's oh, right. Well, well backed, Marcella. Good get, Dan. Stefan Grappelli is the right answer. Final question. Reinhardt and Grappelli founded which influential jazz group in Paris in 1934? Again, Dan. This is where the road runs out for me. Not a clue. <laughs> um, so we're looking for the, the, the name of their band in Paris, is it? Yes. The name of their band in Paris. Influential jazz band. Influential with the French name, probably. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll give you that. How insightful. (laughs) I don't know. Drawing blanks here. Yeah, I don't know either. We'll have to pass it over. Okay, you're passing it across. Mike and Michelle, final bonus Uh, point of the round available here. This will be short lived. Uh, We don't know either. Do you want to just come up with some sort of word? No. <laughs> there are a lot of words, yeah. They're uh, likely to get a, 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 happening upon it. Well, come on, lay something. Come on, put <laughs> something down. Don't leave a blank. Don't answer. leave a blank. Let's you go. Let's you go. I like it. <laughs> I'd probably go and watch it, maybe, but it's wrong. <laughs> uh, it was called. Um, well, it's full title, which I wouldn't want. Quintet do. I would have skipped that. Hot Club de France. Oh. <laughs> Very famous group. Very complicated. Hot Club de France. Right, mm. at the end of round three, which we got through, everyone. Well yeah. done. Let's go Let's and see go. how the scores stand. Blue to 15 points. Red to 12 points. 15 to 12 for the blue team. We're going to take our ad break and we'll be back in three minutes' time. Please do not go away. It's After the Fact on Claremont's Community Radio, our weekly trivia quiz game. I'm John Nolan, and tonight the questions are all about the year of 1910, or, in some cases, tangentially related to the year of 1910. After three rounds, the blue team, which tonight is Marcella Connolly and Dan O'Malley, are on 15 points, three ahead of the red team, tonight represented by Michal and Michelle Coyne. OK, on we go to the final round. It's round four, our 20 questions round. In this round, whichever team is in control gets asked a question. They get a point for a right answer, but they also get to keep control of the game, which means they get the next question. This can continue until most five in a row have been answered correctly, at which point they will have to give control of the game over, but they can get a bonus six point for doing so. A wrong answer at any stage, though, will see it offered across the other side. They will get the next question and also have a chance of a bonus on the one that was missed. We start with the team that is trailing which is the red team. So, Mike and Michelle, you're up first. Are you ready? Yeah. Question number one. By what name was Andrzej Gonsha Bojashu, born on August the 26th, 1910, much better known for the majority of her life? Really? Huh? This is how we're starting. Give us that again there, John. Spell it out for us. A-N-J-E-Z-E. G-O-N-X-H-E. B O J A X H I U. I may have pronounced it totally wrong. So it's good that you get me to spell it. <laughs> so somebody was born 1910. Uh huh. Who has a name which a looks like a. Um, Actually, a different name. Somebody sneezed over a Scrabble board. <laughs> so, by what name was Anjeshe Gonche Bojashu? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> born on August 26, 1910. Much better known. You've got 15 seconds left. Much better known. No idea. I don't have any names coming to me. Do you have any No, names? not the foggiest. Okay. There's the, there's the gong. End of that. So you're passing, I take it? Yep. All right. Across we go. Marcel and Dan. Who is that? I do know that one. Oh. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa is Good correct. Man. Very good. Now, your question. On October the 20th, 1910, the Harland and Wolf shipyard in Belfast launched what was at 45,324 tonnes, the largest ship afloat. Name this ship, which was surpassed by its sister ship Titanic 16 months later. I know this one. 
Dan, is it? Does it come for Dan? Is it the Orme Sociana? Oh, uh, mm, I don't know, because the the three sister ships, the uh, Titanic, most famously, yeah. the Britannic, and the Olympic. I remember them because they all had, you know, ick at the end. Um, right. I think the Olympic came first. Okay. I'd, I'd be so this was a definitely sure definitely a sister ship. Yes, I said it was a sister ship in the question. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I think I'm confusing the Oceana with the Telegraph question where your man was caught in Canada. That might have been where that went from. Oh, yeah, okay. Back to Dr. Crippen again. Yeah, back to Dr. Crippen. So, okay, what the last one, the Olympic. Olympic. Yeah. Is that your answer? Yeah. That's correct. Well done. Sorry for the confusion. full title, the RMS Olympic. Who became king of the United Kingdom and the British Dominions on May the 6th, 1910? I want to name and a number, please. Oh. That George the Fifth. Oh, was it? In my head, yeah, yeah, pretty sure George Fifth. Okay, correct. Good because I was thinking Lewis first. So anyway, <laughs> question four. Nineteen ten saw the premiere of the Firebird in Paris, the first ma- major ballet which brought international fame. To which Russian composer? Oh, begins with T. Uh, t- t- um. T- um. No, I, I think this is Stravinsky. Stravinsky. Pretty sure Stravinsky did the Firebird. Yeah, you're right. I read it today and I just can't remember what it is. You have to go for Stravinsky? Yeah, I am. That's correct. Yeah, I actually read it today. And for five in a row and the bonus point. Which actor, the winner of the Academy Award for Best Actor for his part in 1958 film Separate Tables, was born in London on March the 1st, 1910. Separate tables. Um, okay, I, I think I know this one. Just trying to pull out his name out of my head. David Niven. Go for it. David Niven. Correct, for two points. That one I well done. Know. Okay, cross we go. Mike and Michelle, you're back in. Well, There we go, number one. Well, number six, actually, but here you go. Regarded as the founder of modern nursing, English social reformer and statistician Florence Nightingale passed away on August the 13th of 1910. In which city had she been born way back in 1820? She was born in Florence. Was she? Yeah, hence the name. Okay. Florence, John. Correct, Mike. That's exactly right. All of what you said. Hence the name. She's the first Florence. Next question. Who was elected leader of the Irish Unionist Party in 1910? Oh, that'd be Carson. Correct. Didn't even start the clock on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the abdication of Sun Yong on August the 29th brought uh, the end to the 419-year rule of the Joseon dynasty. In which country? Joseon. Um, 1910. Uh, Korea. Korea. Correct. Korea. Well yeah. Convicted of the murder of a foreign exchange clerk, Johann Alfred Ander, was executed by guillotine in 1910. He remains the last person to be executed in which European country? Oh. Um, Just because of the guillotine, shall we play France? I don't know, because um, I think... When we were at the Tower of London, did they say that they brought the guillotine in for one person? And the last one was the guillotine. What's the name again, John? Johann Alfred Ander. A-N-D-E-R. Did they say that one of the, they brought in the guillotine because it was less cruel no, or something? I have no recollection of this. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what did that beef eater say that time? Okay, you've got 25 seconds left. Hmm. Like, I, I don't think it was France. I think France. As you're saying, it's the last person executed in, 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 that in which then it, then it wouldn't country. be written. No? No. Okay. Right. Ten seconds. Well, then I'll, I'll leave seconds. it to you, so. Let's just play France. France, okay. Mm. I'm afraid that is not right. I know it. Across we go to Marcel and Dan. <laughs> Switzerland. Switzerland? Switzerland. Mm. What? Yeah, you've got the first two what? letters right, but you haven't ended with Eden. Sweet. Sweden. 
Yes. Ah, I right. thought it was the last. He was the last person executed in Sweden. It happened in 1910. I read that out loud today and I said Switzerland <laughs> out loud this afternoon. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Reading it wrong. Sorry, Dan. Anyway, you've got I, that that never got a million I was years, so though. sure. <laughs> Even though I know, like, the name is obviously Nordic, but there you go. Right, you've got the next question, Marcel and Dan. Right. I won't be so sure next time. Which future inventor who had been the first Irishman to fly and also the first Irishman to build his own aeroplane piloted Ireland's first passenger flight in August of 1910? Hmm. Hmm. Which inventor? you give it to us again, John? Yeah, which inventor who had been the first Irishman to fly and the first Irishman to build and fly his own aeroplane piloted Ireland's first passenger flight in August of 1910. See, I read about the first freight flight today. <clears throat> Can't think of too many no, Irish. people who fit the description of Irish inventors, especially mm. around that era, but... No. Any inklings at all? No. I, I like this... A name that stood out, and he, well, he was a plumber, but he also invented things. But no, that's not him anyway. Didn't play I mean, the, the only thing I'd say because the Mayo connection, Louis Brennan was an Irish inventor. Oh, and I think he was around that era, but he was more associated with things like monorails and things like that. Ten but seconds, you better hurry for that. Mm-hmm. Go with him, so okay. Oh, him, Louis Brennan. Yeah, Louis Brennan. Oh. I'm afraid not. Cross we go, Mike and Michelle. How are you, Pogies? Um. Was, who was the person who was working with the Wright brothers? I have no idea. Oh. Was it a Wright sister? No, no, no. It was somebody else altogether. Yeah. Um, oh, it's like a Phillips or a Stevenson or a something. I think I... Um, we'll go with Stevenson. Afraid <laughs> <laughs> not. The answer there, everybody, was Harry Ferguson. Oh. 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 I got the sun part. Right? Yes, went on to invent the three-point linkage at the back of a tractor, and of course, <laughs> gives his name to Massey Ferguson today. <laughs> the Massey Ferguson man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, Mike and Michelle, your question. Okay. Great Britain and Ireland went through two general elections in 1910. Which party won the most seats in both of these? Uh, the Liberal Ooh, Party. Gotcha. The Liberal Party is correct. As they were then. Yep. Under Asquith. Next question. An advocate for abolitionism and a social activist, particularly for women's suffrage, American poet and author Julia Ward Howe passed away in October of 1910. She is best known today for the writing of which song back in 1861? One of the best known American patriotic songs. It uses the music from an older song called John Brown's Body. What's the name of the song she wrote? It's a catchy one. Uh, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Correct. Well done. Next question. Which country became a republic in October following a two-day revolution and the fleeing of its king, Manuel II, to England? Oh, that was, was that Portugal, was that? Mm, yeah. So. Manuel Portugal. Portugal is correct. Next question. Due to a change in its membership, the Home Nations Rugby Championship was renamed what in 1910? The Five Nations uh, Rugby Championship. Just a, yeah, <laughs> they added a France or something. France came in. France came in, that's correct, yes. And let me see, one, two, three, four, five. So here, this is for five in a row. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Popularly known as La Pedrera, or the Stone Quarry, to translate it. It's a reference to its unconventional rough-hewn appearance. Casa Mia is a modernist building in Barcelona. It was the last private residence designed by which architect? Oh. What's your man? <laughs> What's your man who did? Gaudi? Gaudi? Yeah, it's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Gaudi? Stereo. Well and, done. And Gaudi. Gaudi and stereo. Gaudi and stereo. Now we go across. <laughs> the scores, I can tell you all, are dead level as we oh, speak. Oh, Dan. How many questions left, John? And we're now on question 16 out of 20. Oh, yikes. So here is question 16. You're in in control, so. For Marcella and Congratulations. (laughs) Not necessarily. I was so sure with Switzerland. No. Your question. To whom did Sinead Flanagan, a future author of children's books in both English and Irish, 
Get married on January the 8th, 1910. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And here's it? where we lose the match. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Have an idea. No, I don't. Sinead Flanagan. She's the author and poet. In Irish and English. Yes, future author of children's books of children's in books. English and Irish. To whom did she get married on January the 8th, 1910? Oh, crikey. Well, unless it's someone, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, the Easter Rising Leaves, I don't know, Port Pierce or someone like that. Presumably most of them are married. So I, I can't think off the top of my head the wise names of many of them, but... Like you reckon it was a writer? Sure 20 seconds to go, Yeah, right? uh, well... Eve Larkin and sort of yeah but just someone of that era is the only thing Conley and Larkin and uh, okay I need to answer in 10 oh, seconds uh, well unless you can think of Porrick Pierce's wife's name I guess that's the one that sprang to mind we'll do that then I don't know go why Porrick Pierce we go with that Porrick Pierce Porrick Pierce yeah. they're not cross we go Michael and you Andy couldn't bear to listen to that I put the, <laughs> I put the earphones down uh, she married Dev Name of Devalier. Oh, did she? That was our losing point there, Dan, I think. Oh, shut up. Well, oh, well. Dan. <laughs> wait, wait, wait until we get the next okay, one. Okay, next question yes. for Mike and Michelle. Later to be the basis for both the 1925 film and a musical written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which novel by the French writer Gaston Leroux was published in March 1910? So, later to be a... To be the basis for both a 1925 film and an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, which novel by the French writer Gaston Leroux was published in March of 1910? Phantom of the Opera? Huh? Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, because Lloyd Webber did that, didn't he? 1911. 1910, I said. Oh, sorry, okay. I'm hearing things. Yeah, I'd say that kind of fits, doesn't it? It fits the year. I have no idea if that's a film. Phantom of the Opera. It's correct. Well done. Okay. God, on Andrew Lloyd Webber, that's kind of embarrassing. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> Your next question. What was the unusual outcome of the 1910 All-Ireland Senior Football Final, which saw Loud win their first title? I, I think it was, was that it was a walkover? Is that so, what it was? Well, it's a walkover because Kerry Car- Car- didn't travel. They didn't travel because no one would pay for their fare. For their fans, I think, to travel on the great Oh, their fans. So right. Loud won the All-Ireland on a walkover. That's your answer? Yeah. Yep. It's the correct one too. Well done. Mm, last question, is it? No, two left. Oh, Christ. We can't win now. <laughs> I'm afraid not. <laughs> oh, no. A revolution in which country that would last right through until 1920 began in 1910 when rebel leader Francisco Madero proclaimed the elections of 1910 null and void? Ah, Madero. Um, he... He's had that long list of people who got assassinated during the the the, the early part of the century. Um, Central, no, hold on, not South Africa, South American, Mexico. Mexico. Mexico is correct. I had to clue with that. Do we study that? One? <laughs> so, yeah. I don't. I, I, I just think out loud. It makes for better radio. Oh, okay. I, and I, the final I, question of silently. the set, which would get you a bonus point if you get it right, but it's academic at this point. Crucial. Crucial. Which film company, famous as a producer of newsreels and documentaries right through until 1970, was founded in London in 1910? Ah. Uh, Pathé. Oh, one second on the clock. Pathé is the correct answer. The old cockerel. So, uh, I think we know the point that quiz hinged upon. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well Well done, guys. Very well played. Oh, that that was terrifying. It was because you kept saying... Yes, one of the leaders. One of the leaders, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> going to say it." <laughs> okay, let's go and check the final scores with Clancy. Blue team twenty-one points. Red team twenty-seven points. So, uh, a, a comfortable win. The scoreboard will say, but it won't. I think for the scoreboard to say it was a, it was a good game, my though. Brow. Good game. <laughs> so, congratulations. It was a good game. Congratulations, Mike and Michelle. Good win. Commiserations to Marcella and Dan. Good fight. Yeah, next time. Well done, Dan. Alison, we live to fight another day. You do. Yeah. That's very... Uh... The battle may be lost, but the war is still ongoing. <laughs> All right, Enox. All right. Thank you, everybody, and good night. And uh, we'll thank you for tuning in as well, listeners. Uh, don't forget, Podcast Extras coming up if you want them. So stay tuned for that if you're listening to the podcast. Bye, and talk to you soon.
podcast extra. Okay, before I ring the bell for round three, I'm going to tell you that there is a minor change of the rules tonight. Oh. What did you Crikey. do? <laughs> <laughs> We're going into the music round, I sense. It was a necessity. Why am I so nervous? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not my first. Anyway. <laughs> I know, no. I'm going to have to sing, Marcella. That's, what, that's the chance. You have to sing your answer. <laughs> He's going to provide you no, with what it music. Is, what it is, is um, I, I, I managed to get 1916 to work a few weeks back, but 1910 defeated me. So <laughs> what I've got here is uh, artists that are connected to 1910 in some way. And to make life easier on you all, I only want the name of the artist for question one. Okay. Normally, normally you want both title of song and artist. But in this one time only... Right. Opportunity. Yeah. I'm only going to look for the artist. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we did. We did go. Hold on. There was no recorded music. Barely any movies. Yeah. <laughs> there was like there was clearly no television. <laughs> this is going to be a toughie. All right. So let's go back on. Let's go back on air, so to speak. Okay. Let us proceed to round number three. Okay, everyone. Well done. We're getting through it. <laughs> Well done, Dan. <laughs> Please tell me that's the hard part over with, God. <laughs> Dan's, knowledge of, Dan's knowledge of early European jazz is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I literally know like those two guys, so <laughs> thankfully the odds are were in my favour that they came up. <laughs> yes, find me another person, John, anywhere in Ballyhonas who's heard of this 1910 group that you mentioned. <laughs> the 1910 French gum, jazz fruit gum company. <clears throat> Yes, John. Find me one other person. I have three of their songs on my iTunes. Oh, well, no. Weird, John. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Let us play the thingy, Bob, and we'll come back in for round four. Okay, a good fight, everyone. That, that was, was fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. I had to knock oh, the camera God. off because... I kept nodding when Diane was yeah. getting things right. Like, and stop I was like, fucking nodding. <laughs> I was the same in like, your, in your, and I'm just there going, oh, shit. Oh, no. See, we, can't, we can't see you. So we can't no see you. So we could only see... Dan doesn't have his camera on, so Dan would be there going, I'd be nodding. And Mike's like, stop nodding. <laughs> so we kept turning the camera off every time you were answering questions. I'm looking yeah. blindly, I'm blindly looking at the roof. Sort of going, oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh. yeah, you didn't see my tears when 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 that that Dave question went over to you, and you just started going, revolutionary leaders. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, he's off. There. I'm so pissed off. <laughs> Today, I actually read out loud the, the last guillotine. I was like, oh, I know this, uh, and I actually read Sweden out loud. Where did you Where did you read that? That's that's a great fact. Um, wiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But of course, I got to yeah. make it wrong anyway. He also is the only man uh, guillotine, uh, guillotined in Sweden. They brought the guillotine. They they put they decided bizarrely, right? G- guess what the method of execution in Sweden right up to about 1906 was? Stretching. Oh no, that would be weird. <laughs> 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 it's probably like lethal injection or something. <coughs> no, it's icy pool. No, it was um, it was still like medieval axe. To the head, oh. kind of thing. Oh yikes! Like, uh, an and did they the bring head. in the guillotine just to be clean? Because maybe I, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. They decided like, more humane if you can, if an yeah. if an execution yeah. would be more that, humane. Yeah, a little more halal. That beef eater, he used that story and said it happened there in the tower. Right, I think you're misremembering. I think I there was know. a fellow during. So there were hanging the people of... in Britain right through to the fifties, Michelle. Yes, but the guillotine that's... wasn't. In, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. they're hanging, but yeah, and I'm pretty sure. Remember that there was a little. Actually, come to think of it, there's a little box. And they said they sat him on. They sat somebody on it during the war, and they shot a guy through the head. It was like it was a, and it's a really little macabre this little mock-up thing. It's a bo- podcast extra ever. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, at least there were no Sweden, phones ringing. So Sweden actually dropped, you know. Sweden dropped the death penalty in 1920. So, Mister <laughs> Mister Guillotined uh, Ander was the only one who yeah. was guillotined. Fair play to Mister Guillotine for inventing it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and on that note, we will say goodnight, everyone. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Next week on After the Fact. Your warm-up question tonight is uh, very much in popular culture. What I have here in front of me is a list of... It's a huge list. It's 25. The top 25. As of today, literally, people who have the most followers on Twitter. Oh, good question. Mm. I like that. Student. So... <laughs> Twitter. Now, I will tell you that of these 25, there are, in fact, uh, only 23, really, because 22, actually, because there's three companies on that list. 
but I've left them on there in case he uh, happened to want to talk about the companies with Twitter followers. So um, I think we'll start on uh, the red side for once. Give you a bit of time over there. Uh, James, go. We'll go, we'll go anti-clockwise. Why not? The Pope. No, the Pope does not have... You don't want his actual name? Oh, really? No. Oh. He's not on okay. this list. I'm scratching up. No. <laughs> Very few people on this list are that serious, let's say. Katy Perry. Katy Perry, top of Twitter. He knew that. That's all I know. <laughs> Sorry, Card. <laughs> that wasn't going to be my answer. Cristiano yeah, uh, Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is number eight on this list. John. I was going to say... Come, come, John, come on. John Trump. Donald Trump, yes, of course he is. He is, although very relatively low, eighteenth. Uh, James. Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, <laughs> as my dad would call her, probably. Lady Gaga, Miss Germanata. Yeah, uh, she's uh, sixth on this list. You're in. Well, you're a life down, of course, but you're in. Liam. Oprah Winfrey. Twenty fifth out of twenty five, Liam. That means you've topped and tailed the list. Well done. Top and bottom. Beyonce. Beyonce. No sign of the word bay in search results. So. Oprah's got more followers than Beyonce. <laughs> hmm? It's true. No Beyonce. So you've lost a life, Carol. Come on, John. I know you can do this. Another footballer. Messi. Lionel Messi. No. Afraid not. You're down in life. Okay. James. Well, I'm, I'm thinking shameless promotion at Irish Piano Man <laughs> at Dr. James Bonsall. Um, I'm... <laughs> it's going back a bit. I'm going to go for Justin. Sorry, I had to play the wrong noise there. Rarely done. <laughs> Rarely done in the warmer round, but it deserved it for that. Hackery that was going on there. <laughs> anyway, Justin Bieber, number two on the list. Ooh, wow. I'll allow that. Uh, Liam. Kim Kardashian. Kim? Did you say Kim? Yeah, Kim Kardashian. Yes, it's correct. She's 12th on the list. Oh, <laughs> You're the only one who's got three for three. Kanye West. Um, no Kanye in the top. You're out, Carol Cronin. You're gone. John okay. I've gone but you've one left huh? no you're not gone John <laughs> left oh, I yeah. none. <laughs> Boris Johnson Boris Johnson no I'm afraid okay. not ok so you are out right we're over here we've got James with one life left and Liam with two lives left yeah I'm annoyed the Pope wasn't on there um, someone Dalai Lama the Dalai Lama no, mm. afraid not. Okay. Liam, I think you're the winner, but you can th- you can show off your clearly uh, <coughs> top knowledge of Twitter yeah, here. Twitter. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Yes, he's tenth yeah, on the yeah, list. Well oh, Look at that! Yeah. <laughs> Claims he knows nothing. I yeah, got all yeah. of his answers right. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the list in reverse order. Oprah is twenty fifth. Bruno Mars, 24th. By the way, we're in the kind of 42 million followers park here. Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, number 23. (laughs) You're grand with Bruno Mars, like, but the Prime Minister of India... To be honest, I didn't want to say who when you said Bruno. Number 22 is Jennifer Lopez. Number 21, Bill Gates. Number 20, Jimmy Fallon, US TV host. 19 is Shakira, was just mentioned in this room about 20 minutes ago. Uh, Donald Trump, that was 18. One of our companies, CNN's breaking news Twitter feed is in at number number A, 17. <coughs> Selena Gomez, who I saw this week is the top followed person on Instagram. But on Twitter, she's only 16th. Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande. Okay, these, genuinely, who's that? Like? <laughs> these women singer, kind of blooding it together. For, I think Disney. 
They're all the same person. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, Demi Lovato and Ariana Grande are, I would do well to identify if them in a picture round. From 2008 comes up, James, just excuse yourself. Ariana <laughs> 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 Grande was the concert in Manchester. Yeah, that's right. Ariana Grande was her concert technically. Demi Lovato, give us a... Demi Lovato is a singer. She used to be in Disney programs in Disneyland. Okay, thank you. Mm. Kim Kardashian, no, sorry, I skipped. Britney Spears at number 13. Kim Kardashian is 12. Twitter themselves, 11th. Uh, Justin Timberlake, 10th. YouTube, 9th. We're now at 72 million followers. Cristiano Ronaldo is 8th. Ellen DeGeneres, 7th. Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga. <laughs> 6th. Taylor Swift, T-Swizzle, nobody said that. Rihanna is fourth. <coughs> Barack Obama, Donald Trump not happy that Barack Obama is way above him on this list. Third. Justin Bieber is second and Katy Perry is first. 109,590,801 Twitter followers as of today. I heard that, that, was, that came up for me quick. I heard that, right? 